Well, I'm honored to be here. Um, I love this house. My wife and I have encountered Jesus in this house in years past and um, just love what God's doing here. And so really is an honor, uh, so humbled, uh, just even by the worship, being the presence of God together. Isn't it wonderful? Um, and so I wanna, I'm going to share from my heart uh, this morning. And so I, as I was during worship, I just heard the Lord say, I'm not in a hurry. He said, I'm not in a hurry. He said, I, you know, I have an abundance of time. He says, hurried people have a poverty mindset when it comes to time. Hurried people feel like they don't have enough time, so they have to hurry all the time. And God's not in a hurry because he, he, he is. He just is. And so he doesn't rush around and I, I'm saying that because I felt like he wasn't just saying that to be, have a nice revelation. I think he was saying that to calm our hearts this morning, to posture us to hear from him, um, to not just hurry and let me get the word and let me move on from my day. There's a, there's, a, there's a way when you come into the presence of God, there's a way to hear and, and, really, and really touch him and really experience God. I, I know if you're here, hopefully your desire is to encounter the living God. I know that's my desire. Um, God, God became really real to me in 2006. I had a power encounter with the Lord. I, I knew about God. I knew I could tell you Bible verses. I identified as a Christian, um, but, but I had so many sins in my life. I had addictions. I was probably mildly depressed, um, pursuing a career in professional soccer, and I went to this um, really awesome charismatic conference. I grew up in the Bible church, so I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And uh, my brother took me to this conference, and man, I just got zapped by God. And, and it was wonderful. And, and we need to get zapped by God. What I mean by that, I'm not just trying to be weird. I'm talking about the real power, the real substance of the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, we need the reality of the substance of the divine in our lives. And, and God purposed us to experience him. He didn't, he didn't just say, hey, just kind of do your best and you know, you got some words on a page and you got some activities and describe. No, I want you to know me. I want you to have sweet communion and fellowship with me, to, to feel a power that's beyond yourself helping you through the day in and day out. Amen? It's, what it, it's the privilege of being a Christian a son or daughter of God, is that we can partake of the divine. We can, we, can, we can access his peace. We can access his character, his nature, his likeness in circumstances where we don't have. We have because we're in him. So wherever you're at this morning, whether you have a lot or a little, we need God. Amen? Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to read a, a verse and then a testimony, and then I'm going to share my word, and we'll see how it goes. I, I love the word of God, and so um, thank you to the media team for being gracious with me and not having any of my notes or sermons or my scriptures, um, but we're going to get into a lot of them. Go to Acts chapter 10. Um, I'm just going to mention this. One of my favorite verses, because um, my name is in it. When I was little, I liked to find my name in the Bible. Peter, it's a good name, and um, this is one of my favorites, uh, it's Acts 10, 44, Peter is preaching uh, a sermon to the Gentiles, which was a wild thing, and in verse 44, it says, while Peter was still saying these things, my man is still long-winded after all this time, <laughs> the long-winded Peter, <laughs> my wife's like, amen, just kidding. <clears throat> While Peter was still saying, y'all remember on the Mount of Trans Transfiguration, Peter's talking and the Father interrupts him. <laughs> He's like, Shh. it's a holy moment. It happens again. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all, say all, who heard the word. So they're hearing this word of the gospel preached to them. And as Peter's still talking before, I think before he finishes his message, the Spirit goes, that was good enough, well done. And the Spirit begins to baptize and to fill and to fall on everyone listening. 
Now, if it's been a while, or maybe you say, ah, is that a biblical thing as a Christian? Aren't we all filled with the Spirit? Listen, I believe we are filled and keep getting filled and keep getting filled and keep getting filled and keep getting filled. Come on. I went for a run, and you don't just get filled in church. Amen. I went for a run the other day around the lake, and I was running, and it was a hot day, and it was like I got about five miles in. I was sweating. And then this, like, sweet rain started to come over me. Like, this cloud just came, and the temperature cooled off. And I remember feeling this, like, I was like, you know, we know God loves us, right? But then when the cloud comes, and it's the heat of the day, you're like, you really love me. And the, and the rain was coming, and I'm just running, and I'm worshiping. And all of a sudden, the last few miles of my run, it started, like, raining and, like, washing me. And I just... I was filled with the Spirit, y'all. I'm running around the lake, and I'm just worshiping. No worship music. There was no pads, no instruments. I don't do AirPods when I'm running. I'm just running, and I'm like, oh, wow. And, and, it, and it quickened me, and what it did was it lifted my spirits. Being filled with the Spirit lifts your spirit to, to have a heavenly perspective. Now, all the things that you're facing in life that cause you to be weighed down, every circumstance, every trial... Being filled with the Spirit allows you to live above it. We need that. You don't, you don't pull yourself up into the heavenly places. God lifts you by His Spirit into His presence. And so that's my prayer for you. If you're hearing my word, I want you to build your faith. If you need healing in your body, or you need God Himself to give you strength, to quicken you, and to fill you with the Spirit, this is your doorway to faith right now. As Peter yet spoke... The Holy Spirit fell on them. Amen? Listen to this testimony. I love this testimony. Um, I received uh, a, f- a couple of weeks ago. Um, this was a lady um, This was a lady who, um, well, I'll just read it. This is profound, and I'm, and I'm reading this testimony to build your faith. She says this, um, for about seven years I struggled with a hormonal imbalance that caused me to have irregular menstrual cycles. There were seasons of having one for six weeks at a time with one, week's, with one week breaks in between each cycle. Six weeks of bleeding. This is like the woman with the issue of blood. The hormonal imbalance also made my body not able to lose weight and more ability to gain. These physical attacks in my body began to then take a mental toll on me as well. I was tired of, ty- of being tired, bleeding, and really hating my body image. In late 21, 22, I met Jesus in a new way. I shifted the gospel, gospel from being only centered on what he did for me to the why as well. And if you don't know what that means, it's, it's yeah, he died on a cross, but why? Because of the deep love he has. Amen? The why of the gospel is the power of the gospel. You can know all you want about the gospel. If, you don't, if you're not touching the why of the gospel, you haven't experienced the power. So many Christians know what God did. Very few are living with a constant awareness of why he did it. This is what she's talking about. She says, as I learned and renewed my mind, did you hear this? As I learned and renewed my mind, the emotional effects of my hormonal imbalance began to be freed and I felt myself having more energy. As I learned and renewed my mind, I began to notice the hormonal imbalance and the effects uh, were, I was being freed, I had more energy. However, the physical effects were still there. Watch this, in November of 22, I moved to Dallas. She's from New York, which allowed me to be at this end of year conference. In anticipation, I dreamed that the Lord was going to heal me at the conference. I shared with my friends that I was going with that. I knew Jesus was going to do it. On Saturday morning, as Peter was about to share a word, where did it go? Yeah, here we go. As Peter was about to share a word, the Holy Spirit fell on us all. If you were there, you already know. While Peter was beginning to lead us through what the Lord had for us, he began to pray for healing. The room was still rather quiet in anticipation. Randomly in Peter's prayer, he said, I pray for diseases, sickness, and hormonal imbalances. My whole row screamed. We all immediately knew the Lord healed me. January 23, at the end of the month, I had my first regular period in years. It almost felt unreal. Yeah, come on. 
I also, I also, with the energy and belief that I could actually lose weight now, began my health journey. Before all of this happened, I was an athlete. I competed at the state and national level for track and field, volleyball, basketball, and loved all things competitive. So all the workouts and plans I knew how to do were far too advanced for the level I'm at. If I started there, I would burn out and honestly hate it. Stay with me. This is, this, we're going somewhere with this. Peter shared on Instagram one day about how we can run at any pace and it's still running. I'm going to say all that. I am a runner. And most people who ask me about my running journey, they ask me what my pace is per mile. Do you know your pace per mile doesn't matter? It's your heart rate. If you're a runner, you know that the metric in running is not pace per mile, it's heart rate. I could go run a seven-minute mile, but if my heart rate's at 185, I'm not fit. The fittest guys are running seven-minute miles, and their heart rate's at 140. Because they've conditioned over time, they've been patient and cultivated a habit of running. And, and so most people hate running because they run too fast. Raise your hand if you hate running. <laughs> Try this next time. Run at a pace where you can smile. And then you might start to like it. If you had seen me running around the lake the other day, I used to hate running, so I know, I know. I used to hate, I'm like, well, I was a soccer player, so I'm like, why would you run without a ball? That sounds useless. <laughs> Then I got five kids. I was like, I got to do something. It's not quiet at the house. You know? <laughs> but if you run slow enough to smile and actually enjoy it, it actually becomes something that's really, really nice. And you can enjoy yourself. So just slow down a little bit. So she's saying this. She says, um, I was going to burn out. Um, so he shared on Instagram that we can run at any pace and it's still running. That it doesn't matter what pace you're at. It just matters that you're running. So I swallowed my pride on what I thought working out should look like and stopped caring what others might think of the pace I'm going. I hope you're listening. There's a message in all of this. And if you didn't get this already, we're not talking about running. <laughs> so I swallowed my pride, which I don't like to swallow it. I just let it hang on the cross. And stopped caring what others might think of the pace I'm going and just started running at the pace I could go. The part that I was shocked about through it all is how God speaks to me while I'm running. Usually when I would go at a pace too fast for me, I'd be dying and can only think about how I needed to be done. I was clouded, now I just hear him. People approach the Christian life this way. They want to do, 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 run, 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 and they're doing it at such a breakneck speed, trying to perform for God that they can't hear Him. Because God's not in a hurry. And you don't get bonus points for your spiritual heart rate being really high. You don't get bonus points. You're not going to get to heaven and they're going to look at your stats like on Orange Theory and go, look how many splat points he got. You know, it doesn't matter. Did you abide? Did you learn to walk in love? Did you bear fruit for my glory? This is astonishing. Five months later, I am 40 pounds down and can run a 5K without stopping and feel confident when finished. And she goes on. So what I love about that testimony is there's two things. Number one, she committed herself to the renewing of the mind and to learning the truth of the gospel. Um, and then second, that she, she believed God in a moment in time that there would be a power encounter. I believe we need both with all my heart in the church today. We need power encounters in rooms like this, but then we need that process of the renewal of the mind being transformed and, the, and to see God actually mature us into the bride of Christ. And so... Um, I want to talk to you um, uh, this morning about the difference between knowledge and truth. 
There's a difference between knowledge and truth. And, and truth is profound. As a, as a believer, we should be really, really hungry for the truth. Um, what I love about the truth is that um, no one gets to say what the truth is. The truth is a man. His name's Jesus. And so the truth cannot be touched. It can't be altered. It can't be moved. The truth transcends time, space, culture. It, 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 it transcends all things. The truth is eternal. See, knowledge comes and goes and is connected to the fall of man. What was the tree that Adam and Eve ate from? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And ever since mankind ate of that tree, we became obsessed with knowledge. Knowledge. We, we want knowledge. The knowledge. Well, how am I doing? Even feelings are connected to knowledge. Well, well how am I doing right now? Well, how are, how are you doing? Well, you know, I was thinking about this during worship. Um, Cowboys fans in here, amen? So if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, we would say, wow, that, that knowledge, that, that information, that's good. We would call that good. But an Eagles fan would say, no, 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 no. That the fact that the, that the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, that's bad or evil. So see, knowledge... Knowledge is not eternal. Knowledge depends on who's looking at it. Come on, the diet people. The, the, you know, they have done studies. Did y'all have a mom that grew up with that they have done studies? <laughs> I'd always ask my mom, I'm like, mom, who is they? Tell me who they is. They have, well, well son, they have done studies. Now, the problem is with they is there's so many they's out there doing all the kinds of studies that they want to do that's going to make they some money. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Come on. At one point, it's like, hey, meat's really bad for you. Now we have studies that say we have people doing carnivore diets. See, knowledge changes with seasons. Knowledge, it's like it just shifts like the shadows, but truth is eternal. And as a believer, we, need to, we cannot approach truth the way we approach knowledge. I'm going to share some truth with you from God's Word, but if you approach God's truth like it's another one of the a, a knowledge nugget for you, you'll get nothing out of it. People who treat truth like they treat knowledge... They're putting it on the same level as the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, um, the park is next door, we live in the United States of America, Jesus is the Lamb of God. One of those is not like the other. <laughs> Can you guess which one? See, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is a central pillar truth as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, it's what unifies us, no matter the color of our skin, how much money's in our bank account, what denomination you come from, how you're feeling today. The truth of Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and our collective trust and response in building our life upon that is what binds us together. So I want to look at some truth this morning. Is that okay? All right, go to 1 Timothy 3, verse 14. And, and I'm going to, you guys, let's not rely on the power. They're going to put it, wow, look at you, so, so good. Look at this. Um, Paul says this, he says, I hope to come, see, uh, come, come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Look at this. The household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth or the foundation of the truth. So the church, the church, which is us, is, is a pillar in foundation of the truth in the earth. So if, if the world doesn't have the church, the world begins to just shake and rage and go all which way. What do you think is happening right now in our nation? The church has lost her way. 
the church has, 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 has gone this way and that, and she has not fully built her expression, her programs, her preaching, her teaching, her, her, her ministry on the truth. See, if she had built it on the truth, she would be standing more firm than she is today. But there's division today. There's a, there's a great shaking today. And I believe it's only the early tremors of what's coming upon our nation in the years to come. It doesn't take a prophet to realize, I believe, that the, that the persecution coming to the body of Christ in these next few years is going to be astounding. And, and we, need, we need to be built on the truth. We need a rock that is higher than the stability of our political government. Here's how I know, here's how I know, one of many reasons I know we're not ready is, is I have encountered countless believers who are shaken at the instability of our political system. They're shaken to the core, meaning they themselves are being shaken. They are being shaken. Now, I understand our nation is being shaken. You understand? It's not like I loved what you said, Andrew. It was so... Yeah, I, it's part of my word this morning, but Romans 4, Abraham considered his body which was as good as dead. He didn't be like, well, my body's not as good as dead. No, he looked at it and he's like, I'm a wrinkly old man and I got nothing left in me. But God promised. And so the Bible says that he didn't weaken in his faith. Everyone say faith. See, faith and truth go hand in hand. You cannot put your faith except in truth. If you put your faith in something else, see this, this right here, it's not going anywhere. It can hold me. This is, this is a proverb. This is truth. But as soon as I step out and go on this, this is air. This won't hold me. And many of us, the reason why we stumble and fall is because we put our faith in stuff that can never hold us. So, so what do we do as believers? We look at the condition of our nation and we go, Wow. You are, in a, you are in a tremendous moral decline. There are, there are agendas that are going wild. We are, in, we are in political crisis. We are in economic crisis. There are, there are things that we see that we consider. Absolutely, we consider it. We don't just, well, we're going to just be spiritual. No, we look at it. We're hearing from heaven. Lord, how do, we, how do we shine like stars in a crooked and perverse generation? How do we manifest the kingdom of God and the light into these places? Amen? But we consider, and then we have to remember, what is it that God said to us? What is it that he promised us? What are, what are some truths that override the coming and going of nations? Well, Andrew quoted it again this morning in his vision. It's Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage? He who sits in the heavens laughs. So the eternal truth of the gospel that comes to us, that allows us to approach the moral decline of our nation, it starts with an elevated perspective. See, we were intended to be unified in our perspective about what's happening in our nation. Number one, it's wild. Our nation is raging right now, and the nations are. Yet we have access to this seat. I don't know about you, but I, I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so as the nations are raging, I get, to get, I get to come up by the Spirit, sit down in a chair, and I get to laugh. Why? Because he's on his throne. Because he's not threatened. He's not surprised. He's king. He's Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. He's above it all. And from that place, you say, oh, you're just being high. No, 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 no. From that place, from that posture of confidence, a strong faith, now I can go out into the world and I can smile into the darkness. I can arise and shine because my lights come, because I have a different perspective and I'm not approaching earthly problems with earthly solutions. So the church, the church is a pillar of the truth. The church of God. This is what unifies us. This is what would break down denominationalism. If the church could come back to the truths of the faith, we would come back into unity. Because we would lay down the things that are dividing us, certain expressions, whatever, what have you, and we would come back to the eternal things. Jude, verse 3, he says, guys, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but I, I thought it necessary to appeal to you to contend 
Say contend. To contend for the faith. Say the faith. Once and for all delivered to the saints. Oh, I love the faith. The faith. Not faith. Oh, I have faith. No, no, no. The faith. It's one of the cleanest, most wonderful phrases in the Bible. The faith of the gospel. Jude says, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but I thought it necessary to appeal to you to contend, to rise up and to contend. See, some of us are contending against earthly agendas when you should be contending for the faith of the gospel. Well, what is the faith of the gospel? The faith of the gospel is what we believe once and for all delivered to the saints through Jesus Christ. I love this because it will never change. It was once and for all delivered to the saints. And so this flame of faith, the faith, has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. That's why we're still here loving on God. That's why Christianity will never fail because of the faith of the gospel. Oh, come on, guys. This is not just like, this is... How do I describe this? This is the eternal thing. You hear people today talking about deconstruction. Yes? Like, well, people are deconstructing, you know, Christianity. You cannot deconstruct the faith of the gospel. You can deconstruct expressions around the faith of the gospel and what people are doing in light of the faith, but you cannot deconstruct the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Why? Because it centers and rests upon Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the great high priest who lives to make intercession for us, and our glorious bridegroom, judge, and king who's coming back for us. You can't touch that. No one can touch that. That is forever true. He's the Lamb of God, he's our great high priest, and he's a bridegroom, judge, and king coming back for us. We cannot touch it. You're like, well, whatever, whatever you think about it this, this morning, our strength as believers is that reality in that man. And in that revelation of Christ, here's what I want you guys to get. In that revelation of Christ that will never change. It will be true tomorrow. It will be true the next day. It will eternally be true. He will forever reign as a Messiah. The messianic rule of Jesus Christ. He's forever the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Are you kidding me? So when you begin to know that truth and you exchange your circumstances for the knowledge of the truth and go, okay, it's going to take a little time to unpack then, Peter. How does all of that impact how I'm living? If that's the gap that we are, now we're in the right place. Now we're in the right place because now we're beginning to wrestle with building our life upon an eternal foundation that cannot move. It'll never change. And here's what I want to promise you. I want to promise you. In this revelation of Jesus, there is so much grace. There is so much power that will flow to you. This is where it is. People are, you ever wonder, like, where is the power? Where is the grace? Where, where is it? It is, it is bound up in the truth of this man. John 8, 31. You guys with me? John 8, 31. Jesus is talking to, to Jewish, <laughs> Jewish guys that had believed in him. He was talking, talking, talking. They're like, many believed in him. So he tells these guys who believed in him, go there if you want. John 8. This is astounding. Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. This is so intense. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the what? The truth. I love that word. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the eternal truth. It's the word of God. You'll know the truth. Watch this. And the truth will set you free. So many people are trying to find freedom apart from knowing the truth. So many people, they're looking for freedom apart from knowing the truth. 
And I want us to understand this battle. Is the battle is, it's a battle of knowledge. It's what do you know? True, true Christian knowledge, the knowledge of God, I want you to hear this, will fill your consciousness with life. What do I mean by that? When you, when you are more aware of circumstances than you are of the knowledge of God, your internal reality, your thoughts, your emotions, how you feel even physically. How many of you have been just like in an argument with a spouse or you're really difficult at job, like at work, and, and you come home and you're like in this like conflict with people and you feel physically tired, okay? So what's happening is your knowledge of that thing is, is the supreme knowledge, and then it impacts your insides. It impacts your thoughts, your emotions, and even physically how you feel. This is why so many people go to food, to entertainment. They're trying to medicate how they feel because they don't like how they feel because of what they know. There's, there's no shame, but you have to understand how this is happening, why it's happening. You're feeling your insides. People are like, can you really be a happy Christian? A free Christian? Where you're not like trying to be one and like in a moment of faith. Like, can you really, is it really possible to live loved by God and, and just with like rivers of living water flowing out of your belly in his presence, his fullness of joy? Is that possible? And I want to testify to you, it is. It is possible. I wish I could say 100% of the time that I live that way. I don't. But, but I live way more that way than I used to. And what I mean, it's, it's that, that life can only happen with the consciousness of God, meaning you're aware of God. And God is love. God is kindness. God is pure. God is, like when you're aware of God and his love, it becomes, it's like a spiritual physics the knowledge of God trumps the knowledge of any other circumstance. When, 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 the, when the presence of God fills your life in your car, on a run, at work, wherever you're at, when the presence of God, and you're like, oh my gosh, God is here. How many of you know it trumps everything? It doesn't matter. You're like, and in those moments, you're kind of like, how was I so unconcerned about all of this? <laughs> but it's because of God. Like, the presence of God is an event. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> wow. And that presence, that, that presence isn't some elusive lottery system to some very few people that have cracked the code. Come on now. The presence of God is biblically, scripturally, isn't, wasn't intended to be some elusive thing that not every, every believer could walk in. We were intended to walk in the presence of God. How do we do that? Through the truth of the gospel. When you align your life with the truth of the gospel and you're humble, like my dear friend said, she goes, I'm going to swallow my pride and I'm going to acknowledge where maybe my pace, maybe what I'm doing actually proves I don't believe God. If I can tell you, if you're like, Peter, how have you repented over the years? It's that right there. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you know how you say you trust me with your finances? You look super stressed right now. And that conversation you had with your wife where you were trying to control this and that, um, is, is that does that align? And what he's, what he's doing is he's gently fathering me saying, your behavior is, is one way. Yet you say another thing. Now you could go and get all guilty and shamed and condemnation. Oh, I'm such a hypocrite. No. I'm just right now. I need to be fathered. I'm inconsistent right now. I'm inconsistent with my confession and where my heart's at. You guys hearing me? And God wants us to be consistent. He wants us to be aligned with the truth. Look at Galatians. Oh man, I'm so out of time. Look at Galatians, uh, chapter 2. 
Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to do just two more verses and then I'll have the team come back up and we'll pray. This is awesome. Galatians 2, Paul is talking, he's sharing his testimony with the church of, of Galatia. And he says, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus with me. And I went up because of a revelation and set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, watch this, was not forced to be circumcised though he was a Greek. Why is that important? It's so important because the, the big deal back then was how can you be righteous before God? And the Jews would say you need to be circumcised on the eighth day, you need to do the law thing, and the, and, the, and the foreskin, a Gentile was unclean according to the law because they weren't circumcised. And so it was a really, it was a, circumcision was an outward display of righteousness. It was an outward sort of like visible thing that people could, I guess, inspect. <laughs> or is this guy, are they, because you know, they like, how did they know? You know, like, I'm not trying to be weird, but like they were, there was some sort of religious system where they were like, hey, we got to go check, you know, Titus. And they're like, he didn't, they didn't force him to be circumcised. Why? This is so important. It proves that this point, they were still in line with the truth of the gospel, which says is the only way you can be righteous is by faith in Jesus Christ. That's where righteousness comes. Why is righteousness important? Because if you're righteous, now the spirit can flow. Righteousness is the grounds for which the Holy Spirit can flow in and out of your life. And I say in and out, and I mean in and out. Flow into you, ooh, that's nice, and out of you, that's nice for someone else. So look at this. Uh, he wasn't forced, though he was a Greek, yet because of, look at this, because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom. See, freedom was scandalous back then. It still is. Freedom, people, if you're free, people look at you all crooked eye. They're like, no, you're not that free. Yes, I am. You don't know me. I like being free. Come on, I like being free. I used to be so in bondage to the fear of man. Did you know that? I was so obsessed with what you thought of me. Oh, what do they think of me? Do you know that thing in me died? And now I don't care in the best way. Some of you don't like me. Some of you may like me. It's neither here nor there. You know why? Because I'm loved by God. He likes me. God likes me a lot. Yeah, you can praise God for that. It's nice. It's nice not being obsessed. Because listen, if I'm, if I'm now caring more about what you think about me than stewarding the word of God, the Bible says I can't be a servant of God. Because now I'm going to look and go, well, did they receive that word? Now I better change it. Now I better move it. Now I'm responding to you and not to God. You can't, you can't be a slave to the fear of man and be a servant of God. You can't. Otherwise, now I'm in bondage to what you think of me. If you don't like me, I'm having a bad day. If you like me, I'm having a good day. Well, I wonder if Jesus is Lord. I've made covenant with him. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my father. He's filled me with the Holy Ghost. I've been born again to a living hope, filled with the Spirit of God, rivers of living water coming out of my belly. That's nice. I like that. And now I can actually like, like know you and walk with you. And, and, and if you're like, I don't get you, that's fine. We can walk together and wrestle with the Word of God. And here Paul is, he's going, these guys slipped in to spy out our freedom. They spied out, Whoa, what do you mean righteousness with no circumcision? Are you saying Moses and the law? Yeah, yeah it's, yes, that's what I'm saying. We're free. And they slipped in, watch this, they slipped in to spy out the freedom so that they might bring us into slavery. You've got to catch this. Look at this. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Why, Paul? So that the truth of the gospel, watch this, might be preserved for you. What? Can you imagine people coming in from another denomination who maybe they don't worship as free as we do, and they slip in here, 
begin to spy out, hey, did you hear that church convergence, how they worship? Yeah, there's a guy, he dances in the front. <laughs> oh, it's undignified. It's undignified. And they come and they spy it out. They come spy and they're sitting in the back. And they're leaders in the body of Christ and they're, and they're there to intimidate the free people and say, you're not allowed to worship that way. You can't be that free. And all of a sudden, Steve and Marcy and Andrew and Emily, they'd stand up and they'd say, hold up, wait a minute. And they would, they would stop. They would, they would, as good fathers and mothers in the house, they would resist that. They would confront that. And they would say, that's absolutely false. And they would do it publicly. Why? Because if they, if they just sat there in the front row and didn't say anything, now all of a sudden, the truth might not be preserved. Some of you who are weaker in your faith may go, ooh, maybe they're right. Are you guys with me? So these guys slipped in to spy out. And, and so why, what's my point? My point is the truth of the gospel must be preserved. How? How do we preserve it amongst us? We align our life to it. We let it testify. We let it make us vessels of life and honor and we let it do to us what God intended, which is to save our souls, which is to fill us with light, to save us. This is the outcome of your faith, Peter says, the salvation of your What does a saved soul look like? It means my mind, will, and emotions has been cleansed from the power of sin. And now my existence, my consciousness is no longer dominated by a sin thought. Do you know I wake up in the morning and I, I'm, I can tell you with integrity in my heart, the first thought in my mind isn't, it's not sin. I don't think about sin. It's been a lot of years since I've thought about sin as a believer. Do you know why? Because he saved my soul. Now, am I still tempted? Yes. Has sin, have I, have I been around it? Yes. But it's no longer my conscious, it's no longer my operating system. I got an upgrade, and my new operating system is called New Covenant. It's called the love of God. It's called, if I'm walking, if I, if I do something, here's what I trust. I trust that, oh man, I totally, I trust that the Spirit's inside of me. And if I say or do something that's out of line with His heart and His will, guess what my wonderful friend the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to say, hey, that wasn't right. I'm like, you're right, that wasn't right. And you just quickly repent and you just keep walking in life. Can the team come back up? Thank you. You were waiting there. You, should, it was, you had it like five minutes ago. I'll just keep going while Peter spoke. <laughs> while Peter spoke, the band came up and began to play. I want you to write these down. Um, so one of the... Um, there's about... There's about, I don't know, 25 do you not knows in the Bible, by my count, 20, 25 of them, where the writer would say to the people he was writing to, don't you know? He'd be talking, talking, talking. He'd be like, but don't you know? Didn't you know? A couple of these, you guys know. At James 4.4, 4, he says, don't you know? Don't you know that friendship with the world is is hostility towards God. Didn't, don't you know that? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that you were bought with a price and you're not your own? Don't you know that you're going to judge angels? Don't you know? There's all these don't you knows. And I love the don't you knows because the don't you knows assume that they were taught at one point but that they had forgotten and that they knew it intellectually but they stopped knowing it in their conscience. They stopped knowing the purpose of the knowledge. I'm going to say that again. They, they, knew, they knew it, but they, they lost sight of why the knowledge was there. And I want to read one of those don't you knows, and it's in Isaiah 40. And I, and I felt like this was actually a, a, a prophetic word for many of you in this room. And it's Isaiah 40, um, verse 27. And as they play, we're going to leave room in the front for you to respond and you can stay seated or whatever you want but this front's going to be open I want to read this I believe many of you have been saying this why do you say O Jacob and speak O Israel 
my way is hidden from the Lord. And my right is disregarded by my God. And I felt in my spirit as I was praying for this house that there's many of you and you feel like, you just feel like your life's been hidden. That God just somehow just doesn't see you. Like you know intellectually you would confess, yeah, God, you see me. But your feeling, your heart, the feeling you have is you feel unseen by God. In, in, in the worst case, you feel betrayed by God. In the most benign case, you just feel numb towards God. I'm really wanting to put language to your heart so that you can hear this word from him and, and hopefully receive it. In the worst case, you feel betrayed by him. In the most benign case, you just feel numb. You just feel like, I know, and you just feel like you're going through the motions. And my right, my right is disregarded by my God. This is injustices that have happened in your life that, that it's really hard for you to stand up under. You're right. God, this, don't you care that this happened, God? This is what he's saying. This is what Israel and Jacob said. Don't you care? Don't you care that this happened? Don't you care that this person betrayed me? Don't you care that this person is sick in my family? Don't you care? That I'm financially struck. Don't you care? Have you not heard? Do my prayers matter? Does my life matter? It's a real lament. And this is what I believe the Spirit would speak to us. Verse 28. He would say, have you not known? Have you not known? speaks of your history with God. Speaks of God's history of his faithfulness throughout all generations. Have you not known or have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? See, these truths don't necessarily answer your question, but they wash your heart. And I just want to read it over you. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. that's you, will you just lift your hand and look at me? If you feel faint, just lift your hand and look at me. He gives power. He gives power. He gives power to the faint. He gives it. You don't earn it. He gives power to the faint. He gives power. He gives it to you. He's a God who gives and he delights in showing mercy. And he doesn't get tired of giving you power again and again and again. Because he doesn't, he doesn't get faint or grow weary with your humanity. It's his delight this morning to give you power. So receive, receive the power from on high by his spirit. Just receive it as a child, as a daughter, as a son. He gives power to the faint. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that's in them. And it's his delight this morning to give you power. Just receive it right now. Just keep your hand up. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. I just see right now like in those video games, he's just putting those little hearts into you and your little meter's going up. And it's making that cool sound. He's giving, he's increasing your strength. Just allow him to do it right now. Allow him to increase your strength. He's not faint, he's not tired with you. He's not tired of you. 
He's not tired of you. He didn't lose patience with you. I feel that so deeply. Some of you, some of you feel like you've exhausted the patience of God. Some of you feel like you've just made him weary with your decision making and this and that and you're, you can't overcome this. He doesn't. He delights to strengthen you. And even young, young people will get faint and weary and fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can everyone just lift your hands to the Lord? I'm gonna pray, we're gonna wait here for a minute. Andrew's gonna come close us or someone, but I wanna just, I'm gonna pray for you, but I want us to wait. Those who wait for the Lord. It's not those who try their hardest. Those who wait for the Lord, they'll renew their strength. So we're gonna take a few minutes here and just wait and allow the Spirit of God to just fall upon us. I bless you in the name of Jesus with strength, with might from on high. May the glorious Holy Spirit fill your temple. May the truth of the gospel wash you in your mind. May it cleanse your body of all infirmity, of all sickness, of all arthritis, every skin disease, every autoimmune, every addiction, I thank you for the spirit of the living God right now falling upon you. The truth of the gospel, may it be preserved to you today. In trial, may you be strengthened with endurance and with patience. I bless you this morning. I bless you in the name of God. I bless you by the name of Jesus Christ. I bless you I bless you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. To be filled with the delight of your Father. May the, the light of his face shine upon you this morning. May his smile, the great delight of God, may he baptize you in his love. I bless every cell in your body to respond. To respond to the name of Jesus. I bless your marriage. I bless your marriage with a love that keeps no record of wrongs. There's marriages in this place tonight and I see like a whiteboard. God's taken an eraser and some of you have been keeping record of wrongs of your spouse. You've been keeping records and it's, 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 this is why you're frustrated all the time. This is why you guys keep fighting. This is why the conflict is there. And I just see just an invitation from the Holy Spirit. Will you love them by keeping no record of wrongs? Will you burn the book? Will you burn the record of wrongs? Even where the wrongs hurt you, even where the wrongs caused you pain, will you let me heal your pain and let my spirit wash away the offenses and the transgressions? We thank you for your blood this morning to make marriages brand new. Reconciliation among family members. I thank you, Lord. It's by His Spirit. Come on, guys. It's just by His Spirit. Just receive. Just receive. You don't have to do a thing, but present yourself before the living God. Yeah, if you need to get your kids, you can bring them back in. But I want us to stay here. We're going to do that song for my, I, the song that we did last week from Isaiah 40. We're going to sing it. I just feel like the Lord is renewing strength this morning. Do you feel that? So let's just, if, if you wanna just receive, I just wanna invite you to come to the front if you want. And we're just gonna wash in this for a while. We're just gonna sit in this atmosphere and we're gonna worship in this place. And I'm gonna have Paige and Justin sing this. I really feel like there's a response right now, like the Lord is bringing freedom in this place, the freedom of the truth. Yeah, let's just read it again. The 
everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases in power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, verse 31, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow tired. They will walk and not become weary. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth. You do not grow weary or tired. I'm reminded of Paul's words when he said, my, his power is perfected in my weakness. So Lord, this morning we do, we marinate in you right now. And we just thank you, Jesus. I ask you that you would renew strength right now. All across the room, all across the room, that fresh breath is blowing on marriages, that fresh breath is blowing on hearts, that fresh breath of heaven, the everlasting God, here to renew and give strength to those of us that, that came in and we're saying we're weary and weak but we know the truth which is God is everlasting and his strength his strength is here for us now so let's sing this and let's just receive
just abide in my strength receive my strength so Lord we lay down our own things we lay it down and we thank you Jesus that we pick up your strength we receive your strength your strength strengthen hearts right now in the room strengthen 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 